Well, today we get to talk about what it means to be excellent. Last week, Morris Fuller, Pastor Morris, came and shared the message of what it means to be a person uh, of integrity. Whether you're a man or woman, husband or wife, what does it mean to have integrity? Didn't, if you were here, didn't Pastor Morris do a good job? Awesome, awesome, awesome. I had a lunch with him afterwards. He, man, he shared his heart and what an awesome time of conversation that we had. But today we talk about excellent matters. And if you were to leave today and you walk out of the worship center on the diagonal wall, kind of facing in a diagonal direction, you will see 10 codes that we believe in as a church, and every one of those 10 codes is back scripturally as where God wants us to be, how he wants us to practice our faith, and how we move forward despite what challenges come our way. Well, today, that code that we talk about is excellent matters. Everyone has their own interpretation of excellence. Maybe it was your past experiences, good, bad, or indifferent, whatever the case may be. But when it happens, when we look at excellence, what we have to keep our eyes on is what happens at the excellence at the cross that Jesus proved and shown and what we do and how we obtain different levels of excellence on the basis of the foundation that we receive Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior. So here at CPC, everything that we do, we try to do it with excellence and it doesn't mean we get it right the first time, you're not gonna get it right the first time. How many of you have done something over and over and over and got it right eventually? Me, you, so many of you. And so that's what we try to prove out here to ourselves and with Christ in the midst of it all. Our scripture text comes from 2 Peter. Now, let me tell you about who Peter was. He was one of the original followers, one of the original followers of Jesus Christ and calling to be a part of Jesus' mission in the three years that he was here. And what we find out is Peter, many times, is no different than many of you in this room are different than me. Let me ask you this. Have you ever heard of the phrase, insert foot? You ever, you ever said something you wish you could have taken back and you didn't think it through? That's me. I'll amen myself on that one. That's fine. You know, we've all been there. Have you ever been quick to anger and you wish you wouldn't became angry because you didn't think it through? That was Peter. That was Peter. He was, it reminds me of Yosemite Sam. I'm speaking my age. If you know who Yosemite Sam is, he had them pistols out. He shot first and asked questions later. That was Peter. Sorry, they didn't have guns back then. But nevertheless, that was Peter. How many of you fit those, that category of a Peter? Me. Yeah, oh my is right, Doug. Oh my is right. We've all been there. But you know what? Despite those issues or despite those those uh, attributes are less than. Peter are, was still used by Christ, and Christ still used him just like he can use every one of you despite whatever attitude you have because we can lose it and follow Christ. And Peter found himself doing this over and over and over again. The scripture text that I read to you today is a beautiful scripture text. It comes from 2 Peter 1, 3 through 11. It's not fully outlined in your worship guide as you follow today. And I will take nuggets and pieces out of it to prove out some point that he was trying to make with us. So I'm going to read this. Bear with me. I'll read it a little bit slower because I want this to melt in your heart. Because we can learn so much from this. And here goes Peter. By his divine power, God has given us everything we need for living a godly life. 
We have received all of this by coming to know him, the one who called us to himself by means of his marvelous glory and excellence. And because of his glory and excellence, he has given us great and precious promises. And these are the promises that enable you to share his divine nature and escape the world's corruption caused by human desires. In view of all this, make every effort to respond to God's promises, supplement your faith with a generous provision of moral excellence, and moral excellence with knowledge, and knowledge with self-control, and self-control with patient endurance, and patient endurance with godliness, and godliness with brotherly affection, and brotherly affection with love for everyone. The more you grow like this, the more productive and useful you will be in your knowledge of the Lord Jesus Christ. But those who fall or fail to develop in this way are short-sighted, blind, forgetting that they have been cleansed from their old sins. So dear brothers and sisters, work hard to prove that you really are among those God has called and chosen. Do these things and you will never fall away. Then God will give you a grand entrance into the eternal kingdom of our Lord Jesus Christ. And all of God's people said multiple times, amen. What a mouthful. In fact, you can take that scripture text that I just read, and there's two months worth of sermon material for those of you pastors in the room. You know what I'm saying? And so you can really dive into this. Now, we're going to take nuggets out of this and apply it today as to what I believe we need to get out of this scripture today, because there's a piece of this in everybody's life that we can practice, and I really believe that. But there are a few, three or four things that we allow to allow get in the way, and I'm going to cover them real quick. So if, you're, if you have a worship guide with you, there's a fill in the blank. And the first one is this. We measure excellence by comparing to others as to where we are at. Case in point, with everything at our disposal, we see who is winning and who's losing and who is uh, gaining success in society, and we see who is being really productive. The issue comes in at this. Take, for instance, if you love the NFL, raise your hands if you love the NFL or watch football. You just love it. Whether it's the NFL or college, whatever, right? I do too. A quarterback who throws five touchdowns in one game gets you motivated and you're like, man, I wish I could be like that person. Or maybe a major league baseball player who throws 10 to 15 strikeouts a game, which is phenomenal, and it has been done. And you think to yourself, that's phenomenal. I wish I could pitch that way. Or maybe you're a race car driver, or you like to watch NASCAR. Man, I wish I could drive like that. Or maybe you're a CEO of a company, or you're, you have your eyes on a CEO of a company. Man, that is success. Look at the business that they are doing. Here's the issue. Sometimes we get so fixated on that person, we really don't care to ask, I wonder what that person is really like. And so when we become fixated on their accomplishments, we often never question who that person is in their heart. And you think, man, that's popular. I want to be like that person. I want to be like that person. And pretty soon you compare your gifts to their gifts. Can I tell you something right now? Ladies and gentlemen, God has gifted everyone in this room differently. And when you start comparing what you believe your gifts are, if you even know what they are, 
You start comparing yourself to other people in measuring success. Can I tell you something? God doesn't look success like we look at success. He doesn't. He looks at the person's heart, the foundation of who you are in his name. He's not worried about whether you can grow five companies, a multi-billion dollar company. He's not worried about whether you can throw a touchdown pass or make a hat trick in hockey and score three goals in a game. He's not worried about that. That's cool stuff. But what does that have to do with the impact, in, the impact in the kingdom of God? Secondly, we lack the understanding of God's grace. That is a sermon series within itself. You could talk about grace forever. But grace is really the understanding of how he forgave us, and he's given us, he's given us time to bask in his presence. And, he's, and, and, and out of that, he exposes his patience more than anybody I know. And so what happens when, when we do this, when we lack the understanding of grace, this is what happens. For those of you who've ever accepted Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior, some of us, me included, has done this. You give your life to Christ and you're looking towards heaven. God, I need you in my life. You remember those times, that time? I need you in my life. I want you in my life. I accept you. I admit, I believe, and I confess that you are my Lord and Savior. Oh, and Lord, guess what? I'm going to go ahead and follow it up with baptism because baptism exemplifies the decision that you made and it's an outward expression of what God has done in your life and it's a form of evangelism that everybody ought to take a hold of. Now what happens after that is we say, God, take the wheel. By the way, take the gear shift lever and take the accelerator pedal and take the brakes too because I'm going to go this way I'm going to go this way. I'm going to do my own thing because you got it under control. Can I tell you something? God is not a one-stop shop of salvation. God is a God of, of, of moving forward and taking your salvation and building it throughout time because it doesn't happen overnight. How many of you figured out that maybe salvation is a one-stop shop? I hope you don't raise your hands because you're wrong. God is a God of movement. And he doesn't measure excellence, even though the greatest thing that you could ever do in your life is to surrender to, to, to your life to Jesus Christ, become baptized. That's the greatest thing you can ever do, but you don't stop there, and that's where people miss it. I've witnessed people come to church, get baptized. You never see them again in church. They got it all figured out. I've seen people... Um, and parent dedications maybe over the years and one or two, you're like, man, what happened? They just gave their life and, and supporting and we've prayed over these people and that you'd never see them in church again. Or they've just kind of, they went off like this. Got salvation, check. Got baptized, check. Got parent dedication, check. I'm good. Never coming back. Never gonna speak life into our family again. And that's what we end up doing so much. We have a lack of understanding of what he did on the cross. Thirdly, we believe that excellence is out of reach because we're too busy. We get so busy at times, ladies and gentlemen, that uh, we think that we can do a lot of good things, but I can tell you something, that you can actually do so much good, too many good, that you never become excellent in anything. Never become excellent. The world teaches us the more you do, the more you accomplish, the matter, better man you are. My dad tried to teach me that for years and years and years. And he finally apologized right before he died that that was the wrong interpretation of life when he, get, when he accepted Christ. Sometimes we get so busy that we think about 
the fact that why even bother making anything excellent because I'm doing all these things and I don't know how to recover from that. Leads you to believe that excellence is out of reach, which is a nothing but a big fat lie. Busyness, busyness is a lie straight from hell. God wants us, Christ, Jesus wants you to bask in his presence and take time out for him. Because guess what? If you're professing to be a Christian, if you are professing to be a Christian, are you taking out time for him? Do people know why you have the peace that you have? Fourth, our focus on being excellent is challenged by everything around us. Being excellent. I was in a restaurant a few weeks back with a friend of mine here in church. He wanted to go out to lunch, and we did. And when we got there, um, we knew what we were going to talk about. We are going to talk about our life stories, what God had done in our life, and just have a good time of fellowship over a meal. And I saw a family. I seen a family come in, a mom and a dad, and probably a 10-year-old and two teenagers. And they sit down, and they looked at their menu. And after they looked at the menu, the waiter came around and asked for their, their orders as a waitress. And she asked for the orders, and they gave the order. And every one of them, dad, mom, and three kids, pulled out their phone. They never said another word for the next 45 minutes. The reason that's an issue is because when you stop talking about your values in life and what God means to you, whether they were believers or not, you lost a whole concept of what it means to be in a family atmosphere, a godly family atmosphere. One that you're always encouraging each other, even through life's doldrums and all the different uh, issues and boundaries they come against, but this family sat there and said nothing. A friend looks over at me and says, you've been staring at that table, what's going on? I said, did you notice they never said a word to each other? Cell phones are not the issue, it's what you do with the cell phone that's the issue, amen? You can misuse it. You can misuse social media. You can do misuse it all because it's taken the place of the time you need to spend with Christ. And we see that over and over and over again. So here are three ways to seek excellence in Christ. We're going to bask a little bit here. And I see in verse 1, if you're following along your outline, um, the first word is no. You're filling the blank, and we'll talk about that in a second. No, K-N-O-W. Peter says this, by his divine power, God has given us, listen to this, everything we need for living a godly life. We have received all of this by coming to know him and the one who called us to himself by the means of his marvelous glory and excellent. So know that we have everything given to us we need for, to live a godly life. See, once you came to accept him into our life, once you came to accept him, we're given many tools. The number one tool that we misuse a lot, even though this was the most illustrated, impactful um, item that, that was practiced on the cross, was this, forgiveness. So if he forgave us, if he forgives us for all the wrongdoings and all the sins we've committed, and he continues to forgive us, and we continue to make mistakes, and we know that we can go back and take to another excellent level, that forgiveness is probably the most misunderstood piece of the cross that we Christians, believers and unbelievers, if they even know about the cross, could ever experience. Why is it we have struggles with forgiveness? 
Somebody looked at us wrong, somebody said something wrong, somebody said something that wasn't right about us, their pride got in the way, your pride got in the way, but yet that was the number one most excellent thing that Christ has ever done for all of us, yet it is probably the number one issue that we struggle with, the number one issue. Know that everything's been given to us. He gives us patience. In the way that we learn what he did on the cross, he is patient with us in surrendering our lives to him if we so shall believe. To love one another, even though years ago you hated somebody because of what they said, what they did. Here we go back to that again. To love one another. I love people now differently than I did 30 years ago. Because I thought to love somebody was to mean that they had to do good to me first before I did good to them last. To love one another. To love one another unconditionally. When I see an act of violence, I don't get angry at the person anymore like I used to. I'd want to hang him. When I look at an act of violence, I said, there is a person that doesn't have a deep relationship with Christ. That's how I look at people who mess up all the time and seem to not have any foundation of Christ. I look at that person differently now. As much as I want to choke people sometimes, I have to look at them the way God looks at them. Because you see, we are all designed to be the children of God. It's up to us to follow and that's what I think, and that's what I believe. You know, years ago, I had every excuse to be a victim. Things happened to me years ago that, for some of you, are unspeakable. And I claimed a victim's mentality for so many years, and I hated people. And in fact, I tried to take my hate and go after people just to win back what I thought I lost. In my non-Christian days, I thought I lost a lot and I tried to regain it back the wrong way until Christ got a hold of my heart and said, you no longer are a victim, you are a child of God. Say after me, I am a child of God. Are you really? Are you still living in the past? I know things are hard to let go. I know they are. Get me, I know it. Get me, I know it. But I'm a child of God. You are a child of God. Claim it. You are no longer claimed a victim because I have every excuse to be one. You ever want to know my story? I'll sit down somewhere and have that chat. Number two, know, another action word, know that it takes work to pursue excellence in Christ. Know that it takes work to pursue excellence in Christ. I love it when Paul says this. Supplement your faith with generous provision of moral excellence and moral excellence with knowledge, knowledge with self-control, self-control with patient endurance, patient endurance with godliness, godliness with brotherly affection, and brotherly affection with love for everyone, not just the ones that said hello to you first, even when it doesn't make sense. Supplement means this. It means to add on to the basis you have for receiving Jesus into your life. In other words, you've accepted Christ. Some may not have in here, I understand, because I've been there too. After you give your life to Jesus Christ, you baptize, you follow up with baptism, and then, and then you have this knowledge, knowing beyond a shadow of a doubt, that he wants us to add onto the base package that he gave us on the cross. Let me give you an example of what base packages is. How many times, I'm speaking years ago, 
Insurance, when you take out insurance. You know, years ago, insurance, when I first moved from St. Louis to Southeast Missouri, I found out that if I wanted earthquake insurance, I had to have a basic insurance package, but then I had to take a supplement, earthquake insurance, and then I had to take a supplement, tornado insurance. And now it's all part of the base package. And so then it became, well, you know what? I might get in an accident, so I need to supplement my insurance package with accidental insurance. Y'all know what I'm talking about. Or how about this one? How about this one? A base package for an automobile. You see, I grew up in an era where my dad was a very simple guy. He had simple base package automobiles. And so he was the, you know what? I'm not buying anything fancy. We're going to have roll down windows. We're going to have no cruise control. We're going to have blinkers. We're going to have turn signals. We're going to have stoplight. We're going to obey the law. It's going to need to turn right. It needs to turn left. It needs to go forward and backwards. It needs to brake. That's all. I grew up feeling that way. I'm like, that's all I need. But today's base package, today's base package is crazy. Now, in another 10 years, base package will be that the car will drive itself. How many of you in here really want the car to drive you instead of you driving it? I don't. Well, I don't see one hand in here. Oh, you do? Y'all, you're not my groupie, man. Everybody else is. <laughs> but we have a base package of everything, don't we? What about if you're a health nut? Sorry, didn't mean to say nut. Some of us are pretty nutty about our, in, uh, about our health. And that's okay. Look, you know, I'm, I'm kind of losing it myself. And that's okay. I'm not so crazy about going to exercise all the time. Maybe, maybe many of you are. But for those of you who are, just doing exercise is not enough. You supplement it. When you lift weights and you pump iron, you probably, you could, you may be drinking protein shakes to offset the energy that you're losing and maybe to also build muscle mass. And then when you think about uh, health, uh, especially, God forbid, I hate that word COVID. You, don't you? It's like, go away, go away. And so during that time, we found ourselves supplementing were our health with vitamin D. I mean, I think vitamin D went crazy. And uh, iron and, and, uh, and, and all these other vitamins, vitamin C, I mean, 4,000 milligrams a day. I mean, it was crazy. And we've gotten used to that. But here's my whole point, is that you supplement about everything you do in life. Everybody has a base package. TV, how about that one? You remember, for those of you in here, that uh, up there in age like I am, you remember when cable and satellite was only 30 bucks a month? And then you wanted another 150 channels? And then you paid more money on it because the base package wasn't big enough for your liking? You remember that? I remember that. Now I just went to Netflix or whatever. I don't even pay all that stuff and I don't even get barely watch it. All I'm saying is this. Here's what I want you to understand. We can base package all these things and we can supplement all these things, but do you actually ever supplement your faith? It's one thing to receive Christ and be baptized. It's another thing to grow out of that and grow beyond that salvation, even though that was the most important decision you ever made. The next important decision is that you continue to grow and you don't stop. God is not a one-stop shop of salvation and said, I'm done and done and done. 
That's not my God. That's what Peter is trying to tell us here. I think about this. Are you pursuing a relationship with Jesus? Are you truly are? Let me tell you what maybe some of the attributes are for following Jesus. Do you have a daily prayer life? I'm talking about even more than a supper meal. Do you have a daily prayer life where you have open communication and you celebrate him in your life, what he did with you when you did give your life to Christ? Do you celebrate that? Do you thank him? Do you petition prayer requests saying, Lord, I have these prayers. Would you take them? Would you just get a hold of them and let me know how I can proceed forward in accomplishing these prayer requests? Because God gave you two legs to walk out your prayer request. He gave you a heart to walk it out. He wants to do it with you, not just for you. That's my God. That is my God. The question is, is that the kind of God that you want that will assist you as you help make decisions along with him to forward in life? What about pursuing a godly marriage? This could get a little sticky in here. Because here's what happens. A godly marriage is this. It's one individual husband, one individual wife, give their life to Christ, continue to bring him into their lives, and when they fully do this with all their heart, with all their might, with all their strength, then guess what happens? The vertical turns the horizontal, you two meet together, and it's not a mismatch. But when you both are in line, when you're doing all you can to bring your relationship with Christ in your life, with all your heart, with all your mind, with all your soul, this disconnect begins to connect and pretty soon it's one continuity of of love that Christ gave us to pursue marriage the way marriage should have been pursued in the first place. And I am at fault for not holding up my end of the bargain with my wife Marcy at times, and she will tell you the same thing with her, but we know who to go to to get that back in line. We know who to go to. And you need to be reminded where you came from, speak into each other's lives, pray over each other, love one another, have open communication, and take time to refit this marriage that has gone astray. Because I will tell you, God is better than the license that you got when you got married. That's the foundation, maybe. And if Christ is brought into it, God is more than just your marriage license. He's the foothold of your relationship with love with one another because you got the vertical part right. That's the encouraging part is it can happen if you let it and you speak life into one another. What about this one? Are you pursuing being a godly parent? This one's a touchy subject because I know so many parents who live vicariously through their kids. And what happens is when they live vicariously through their kids, they're wanting their kids to maybe accomplish things, some things that they never accomplished, but for some reason it gets so crazy and so busy that, that when life becomes so busy and the kids see what that means, that God is left out of any conversations like the table in the restaurant with the man and the wife and the three kids. Come to find out when they were walking out, said, let's hurry up, we gotta get to this place. I remember hearing them say that. And that's the only thing that was said by the time they got in, reading the menu and leaving. Are you a godly parent? How about this? I said this in the first service and my son was in the first service and we talked afterwards. (laughs) It was funny. Because I made a comment. How many times I know in my early Christian life I was trying to speak to my kids about the changes that I made. 
There are times you tell them stuff, and then there's times they're not to tell them. Because my son tried a few things. And there's a certain age, a certain maturity that it's good to tell them. All I'm saying is this, does your children know your story of salvation? Do you talk about it? Do you talk about how God delivered you, reconciled you, brought you to the level that you're at, and do you celebrate it with each other? You see, a lot of parents, they just want to live through their kids. They just want to keep it busy because that's their token of love. Can I tell you something? God is better than that. He deserves better than that. Parents, grandparents, live your life as to what Christ did for you in your life. And then the last on, on pursuing a godly relationship, you need to know that God never intended for us to be alone. Do you have an accountability partner? Do you have a prayer partner? Are you in a small group? We're in the middle of revamping groups as we speak, kind of heading into the fall, and what a great time it is to be around people that will love you, pray over you, pray with you. You speak into their life, they speak into your, in your life. Question is, are you going to take time out to bring God into relationships outside of what you normally would, uh, would experience even in church? And number three, our last point before the big takeaway. Verse eight reminds us that we should always measure where you've been compared to where you're at now. I love being able to see many of you in church and then those that I know that have a salvation story, I will often go up to you and I see several in this room that I've gone up to and I said this, you've come a long way, baby. I remember when you did this and you were exercising your life like this and now you're at this point. And they say, thank you. And for those of you who've been with me for 28 years of my salvation, you spoke into me. You've given me life. You've given me a reason to live. You've given me a reason to acknowledge that God took me from junk to his precious child of God. And I want to remind you, if you said, I am a child of God, don't ever forget where you came from and where you're at because you know what? God's not done with you yet. And if you think he's a one-stop salvation God and that's all there is to life, you've missed it. I have missed this, ladies and gentlemen, on many occurrences. But you know what? I'm around people who hold me accountable, that speak life into me, just like I speak in life and I'm, I'm looking at faces that I have spoke life into because I've seen where you come from. And there's two ways that that happens. If you wanna know where you've been and where you're at now, you go to Christ every day in your prayers and you ask him, God, show me. Show me where I can accomplish tomorrow what I did not accomplish today. Show me where I came from. Remind me where I came from so that I can be what you want me to be today and tomorrow. The Bible tells us that there's enough problems in tomorrow to worry about today. So live for today. Live like you've been reconciled, reconditioned, brought back to life from death, and you'll be better off for it. Secondly, I've already talked about it. Surround yourself with people. 
believers you can trust. Go to your spouse. Have honest, open relationships. Go to your small groups. Have open and honest relationships. Go to your people that you trust. Have open and honest relationships, and you'll be better off for it. So we come down to the last. And I want to wrap it up with a plan or a, um, a celebration that Peter gives to the fellow brothers and sisters of Christ that he was speaking to. And this is awesome because this should be everyone's goal. And Peter tells us and teaches us that if we practice these things, something miraculous happens. And it's the miraculous happening that happened when you first discovered who Jesus was in your life and you end in a certain place that we should all desire for. And this is how what Peter says in verses 10 and 11. He says, so dear brothers and sisters, work hard to prove that you really are among those God has, God, or has called and chosen. Do these things and you'll never fall away. Then God will give you a grand entrance into the eternal kingdom of our Lord Jesus Christ, our Savior Jesus Christ. And I am glad to stand before you today that I can say, I know beyond a shadow of a doubt that God has opened heaven for me. And if I continue to practice these things, then if you continue to practice these things, you too will be there. You ought to just stand up and give him a hand clap of praise because he has a plan for you and you and you and you. Give him some praise. Give him some praise. Tell him how much you adore him and tell him how much that you love him. Tell him how much in your time of prayer that he's given you a chance after chance after chance. Even though you don't deserve it, he gives us chances. That's the God that I serve. Question is, is that the God you serve? Say it again, I'm a child of God. Better believe it. He made you for a time such as this.